everyone. Welcome back to another edition of the Camera Brooks Podcast, Above and Beyond. So on this episode, I interview Jim Merrick. Jim is a former um, Marine Corps infantry officer. He spent seven years in the Marine Corps before transitioning back in early 2016 in a sales role with Hewlett Packard Enterprise. And so the thrust of this conversation, we actually get into a lot of good topics about his transition, why he made some of his decisions. Um, he got his MBA along the way, so we kind of got into an MBA discussion there for a moment. But really the thrust of the conversation, where I wanted the conversation to go, is I wanted to hear his experience on managing his career. He's been um, out of the military, like I said, since early 16. He was at HP for about two years. He was at another company for about two and a half years, and now he's at his third company and doing that for about a year. So I think if you look at that on the face, you can say, well, well gosh, this, this guy kind of jumps around a lot. What's going on there? But when you peel the onion back a little bit and really listen to his motivation and why he's making some of the decisions, how he's making the decisions, and ultimately how he's managing his career, it's going to give you some great insight as to how you, as you're looking to transition, or maybe if you've already transitioned, how you can use some of the tips, techniques, and ideas that he's putting forth to manage your own careers. So excellent conversation with Jim. I love to hear his experience because it really brings to light a lot of the topics that I speak to with some, some of the officers who are partnered with us in getting out of the military, some of our alumni who are currently out, and maybe they're freshly out of the military and looking for advice and managing their career and things like that. And so uh, great experience, great advice. It's good to hear his voice and, and what he's, how he's managing his career. If you're interested in hearing more about your options as a JM, if you're considering a transition and looking at the future, reach out to me. Let me, let me, let me have a dialogue with you. Let me, let me share with you what I know about what a transition to corporate America could look, could look like. Okay, let's get on to the podcast. Without further ado, here's my conversation with Jim. All right, Jim, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for taking a couple of minutes out today to share your experience and let other JMOs and other Cambridge alumni hear uh, what you've been up to. I appreciate it. Yeah, thanks, Pete. Uh, happy to do it. Great to connect again. All right, good stuff. So, so I, let, let's talk about, let's start all the way back. Actually, before we get started with your transition, just, just give, give, give everyone the very quick rundown of your military experience. Where are you coming from? Sure. Um, so Naval Academy graduate and then commissioned as a second lieutenant in Marine Corps and spent about seven and a half years as an infantry officer um, based in Camp Lejeune, North Carolina. Uh, did a couple deployments over to Afghanistan and then in the spring of 2016 went through the april conference with cameron brooks and that's when i made my transition into corporate america so i remember conversations and and, and even before this call i went back and reminded myself of some of the conversations that you and i had and really you and cameron brooks had a, on a whole and you know you were you were interested you were most interested in sales and consulting um, which is a little unusual, admittedly, and I was like that as well, Jim. I, I was really interested in sales when I came to my career conference, but a lot of people aren't as interested either because they don't see themselves in that type of work, or maybe they're they're they have a um, a skewed view of what sales and consulting actually is. And so, but you came to the conference and and received multiple offers from both of those types of functions, and you interviewed with other things as well. But that was kind of the thrust of your interview. 
interviewing. And so let's talk a little bit about where you started. Tell us about HP. Tell us about the job you had and kind of how, what, what led you to start, what led you to say yes to HP and, and start there? Kind of give us some background on all that. Yeah, absolutely. So um, to your point, I actually didn't know a ton about sales or I had my own preconceived notions about what it really meant. And I think um, it's easy as, as transitioning officers to get drawn to maybe more of those operation-centric roles. But um, Hewlett-Packard Enterprise um, came to the conference looking for sales executives, and they were going to put us in a program that had a bit of a flavor of like a rotational um, type curriculum, uh, about six months on the job training, and then eventually being put into a role as um, an outside sales representative. Um, what really attracted me about that is, is I learned, A, more about the world of sales and kind of realized what it actually entailed versus my own thoughts on the type of job. And then, B, what HP had to offer was um, centered around uh, feeling good about not only the role itself but the, the organization. Um, and back to, to Cameron Brooks, um, I guess call it like coaching on that. It's a lot like speed dating. I had to feel like the mutual interest from them as well. So the biggest thing that attracted me to, to Hewlett Packard was the interview process, comfort with the hiring manager, and then being put into a role that not only made sense for me, but that had upside and um, the visibility and kind of investment and commitment from others in the organization to see it succeed. Um, okay. I also felt like uh, technology was a very good space to be in. Uh, I didn't know much about IT at all, but I felt like we were put in a position where we would be equipped with the right resources to learn what we needed to go or needed to know and go out and succeed. Um, and then uh, I'll have to admit, there are a couple of other factors, uh, the location, the starting salary, um, and then the flexibility to eventually be able to live where I wanted to, um, so long as it corresponded with a certain sales territory that was open. Um, so these, I'd say, were a lot of the big factors that led me to go towards Hewlett Packard, especially, again, um, first time talking to you and, and Joel, and not knowing a lot about what the sales world really entailed and having to learn about it throughout the process to get ready for the conference. Well, and that, there's two follow-up questions to that that, that I think uh, is, are interesting, kind of a couple of threads I want to pull on. First thing you said, you know, you got into the role and you learned about the world of sales. Can you expand on that for just a moment? And really, that's not the thrust of where this conversation will ultimately go. go. I don't want to just focus on sales, but 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 it is an interesting statement and one that I think um, can, should be expanded and amplified to let other people hear this idea of learning about the world of sales. What do you mean by that? Sure. Um, so I think I probably had uh, a more of a negative connotation of what it meant to be in sales. Um, again, this is cliche, but probably like many people, I had a, a vision of a car salesman or used car salesman in my head and didn't appreciate the fact that um, it was actually a lot like being in the infantry. Um, you're, you're given a territory, you're put out on your own with a mission, and then ultimately, if you're doing your job, you're left alone. And it's basically go out and sell, bring in revenue, and I'll leave you alone and give you the resources you need. So a lot like being a, a battle space owner, so to speak. Um, mm -hmm. But what I appreciated after reading a lot of the books on the reading list, um, preparing for the conference and understanding more about the role is um, sales 
touches so many different areas of other organizations because when you're trying to build rapport and understand a customer's needs, you have to understand their whole business model. So rather than being in one small niche, you're understanding how they uh, how they go to market and what drives their mm-hmm. revenue because whatever you're selling is hopefully either cutting costs or helping them increase their top line. You're, you have to really build financial knowledge and savvy to understand um, how they work their own accounting process, how to negotiate deals, manage contracts, engage with legal, understand marketing strategy to bring new products to market or bolster existing products, um, and then even understand delivery aspects, product development, operations, back office support functions. So I actually liked that I felt like it was I was had exposure to all different areas in the organization, and then I got to go out and still be the tip of the spear, so to speak. That's super helpful. You know, I, I don't even talk much about that. The the comprehensive knowledge of the of your customer, not only as the individual or the function that you're talking to and working with, but really the the entire the entire organization and what the organization is trying to achieve in order to help them maximize profitability, reduce waste, whatever it might be. So excellent, excellent point. This question, the other question I wanted to ask relative to what you said previously is. You know, you ultimately made a decision based on multiple factors. You know, you talked about being in IT. You talked about being uh, in more of a customer-facing role, about salary, about location, about future control over your career, all these multiple facets. But the interesting thing in the way you were saying that, or at least what I was thinking about is, you know, the funny thing is when before you ever came to the conference, we were, really weren't talking to you about decision-making from a from a from a multivariable you know complex equation, it's more like you know sales or team leadership or operations, and generally, where do you think you want to live, right? Like the the decision ultimately um, expands drastically in, in terms of multiple again multivariables in tr- terms of making the decision. So, can you can you expand on the idea of you know before you came to the conference, your thought process relative to some of your decision making and how you would make the decision versus how you actually made the decision? Absolutely. Um, I, the, the toughest thing for me and, the, and what ended up being the most important thing going to the conference, Pete, was understanding the roles. Um, I think I struggled with this as I started to go through this transition. I imagine many JMOs do is just the question of what the heck can I even do in the civilian world? And, and what does it mean to, for example, be in sales or what does it mean to be in operations or in marketing? And so I really had to educate myself on what are those functional areas within an organization? What are the career paths? Um, so first and foremost, for me, I was focused on where do I want to enter? Is it what, what type of role? And then what is the future path from that? Mm. Um, I'll, I'll say after that, um, I definitely was interested in, in organizations that offered, um, you know, competitive salary. Um, you know, it, it's easy to look at different salaries and think, you know, 85, 90, 100 K sounds like a lot, but you have to think of it in the context of um, where am I going to be living? Um, do I have a family? Do I have kids, et cetera? And then you also have to remember that as officers, you know, our, our take home pay doesn't look that, you know, I guess competitive at first glance, but when you peel back the onion, you know, look at all the hidden benefits and the healthcare and the BAH and stuff, 
we're actually compensated pretty well. So you have to kind of do a real careful analysis of your current, you know, after-tax income to what you would be making um, in certain locations as a civilian. So that certainly went into it. Um, but what I didn't account for, Pete, was the connection and rapport I made in the interview process with the, the guy who was hiring us. And I got to tell you, I didn't anticipate how much that would influence my decision because there was just this kind of like subconscious comfort level that I had when I talked to him in between interviews, when he described the role. So I felt like there was an investment in me, not just in, hey, we're going to bring you in and we want you to start this role because you're a JMO, but we see a future path for success for not only you, but your peers that we're bringing in. And could not appreciate how important that would be um, because there's definitely an emotional aspect when it comes to making that decision. It's a great point. I, I, th I really think that's the point. You know, we can talk about the money and the function and, and, and things like location and maybe, maybe even things like, you know, size of the company. But, but there is this, and I don't know if this is quite the right way to describe it, but, you know, the psychological effect, I like you, I remember the first person that I went to go work for when I transitioned from the Army to corporate America. I went to Dallas as well. I was working for Johnson & Johnson, and my first boss is still a friend and a mentor today, but he, I attribute so much of my initial success to the way that he managed me, the way that he treated me, the patience that he had for me <laughs> as a JMO with no, with no business experience. And I look back, I think about him, and I really think back uh, on those days with great fondness and great gratitude to for kind of who he who he is and who he was and what he ultimately did for for me. And so, just really like the way you're saying that because you know everyone connects to different people differently. There's chemistry involved, and and that's not something that we talk about upstream or on the front end of the transition because. It's unpredictable, right? You, you don't know what's going to happen, but but I'm really glad mm -hmm. you went down that road because it's a big deal. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you mentioned location. I know that you you grew up in the Chicagoland area, but you but you took the role at HP down in Dallas. Kind of talk, and, and you're in Chicago now, so and, and that's obviously where we're headed in this conversation. But tell me mm -hmm. tell me why you ultimately made that decision, especially because you had offers. I think you had two offers actually to go straight to Chicago from the conference. If I if I, I look back and look yep. at all your offers, and I think you had two to actually, you know, you had a couple to choose from. Why did you ultimately mm -hmm. choose Dallas? First of all, again, it, HP was the best overall fit. If I took all those factors together, um, and so it made it easy to me because I'll admit, you know, you try hard not to let location be a strong influence, but you know, it's inevitable because you're going to be thinking about where you eventually want to end up. You have a wife, where she's from, et cetera. Um, and so you cannot help but have that in the back of your mind. But HPs, the other factors that I mentioned in the question you asked previous to this one, made that obsolete. And to your point, I had the opportunity to go back to my hometown and two very, very good opportunities and could have been living in the city very close to where I grew up and decided against those. Um, now, Hewlett Packard did say because it was a sales role, they offered future flexibility. And there was the opportunity that eventually, once we were through this rotational program that I mentioned, you would have the opportunity to work remote. Um, and at, that allowed me the flexibility then to decide I could go back to North Carolina, could eventually move to Chicago. 
Um, but for the time being, the opportunity itself excited me more than any single factor such as location alone. It's a crazy important point only because I spend all day every day talking about location. And, and my wife and I are both from the same hometown. We grew up together, graduated high school, got married after college. And so when we transitioned, location was important to us as well. But, but like you, in similar fashion, um, the opportunity ultimately outweighed the location. So it, it, I just want, I really wanted to hear that from you because, because again, sometimes it's better to hear it from other people than to me. Oh, Pete, camera broach, you're just, you're saying that, but, but it is so important. Um, okay. Let, let's talk a little bit about HP. I want to, I want to hear, um, you know, okay. First job out of the military. What'd you like about it? What made it hard? Maybe just give us a, a little bit on that. Yeah, uh, what I liked about it was um, it, I was able to immerse myself and very quickly try and figure out um, what I didn't know about the business world, which is just so tremendously long of a list that I can't even cover all of it on a call like this. But um, you kind of have to enter your first role understanding that, admitting there are a lot of things that I don't know, and there's a lot of things that I don't even know that I'm, I'm, I'm uh, you know, inadequate at. So you got to get in there quickly, start making those lists and finding areas to kind of seek out your own, you know, self-professional development. So that's what I liked. I was in an environment where they're very supportive of that and we had the resources to do that. Um, you know, things that frustrated with me um, with the role um, in these, I think it's just the nature of joining a very, very large company is that we, um, where we entered a situation where very quickly we found ourselves being part of a spinoff. Um, Hewlett Packard Enterprise was divested, um, or I'm sorry, they divested their services organization and we merged with another organization to create a new company. So um, the best laid plans for our rotational program um, kind of fell apart right at the moment that we became part of the new company because there was a very quick reorganization. Um, it was not the fault though of any one individual. It was just the, it's the nature of the world. M&A activity is, is always around and you just got to deal with it and make the best of it and try and capitalize on opportunity. But I'd say we were kind of accelerated through that program. And once the merger occurred, we went from, yeah, you're about halfway through things to, all right, you're out on your own. We need to have people out selling. Um, so that was a, a bit of a shock um, and probably one of the more difficult things to deal with. How did that make you feel? And, and what I mean, what I'm trying to, what I'm driving at is you, you said, you know, it's, it's the way of the world. It, mergers and acquisitions occur. It's corporate America. Like, were you afraid? Did you, did you think you were going to be destitute and living on a street corner? Like what, how did you handle that? Because I think that's a, that's a concern that a lot of people have. It's like, well, you know, there's quote security in the Marine Corps or security in the military. And, you know, I get out to corporate America and, and like, think about what happened to you. You're, you're six months in or whatever the time is. And all of a sudden HP is like, Hey, we're going to, we're going to consolidate with another company and we're going to spin off this services branch and we're going to be called a new company. And, and this company mm -hmm. in right now, I know you're not working for them, but they're, they're doing their thing. Right. But how did that make you feel and how did you handle it? I was a little bit concerned at first, I'll admit. Um, the individual hired us and who became a very close mentor to our cohort from Cameron Brooks uh, assured us, you know, a number of times, hey, you guys are safe. There is a strong investment in, in this 
group of you coming in as former JMOs. Um, and also the, the reality is the way we were building our go-to-market strategies is they said, look, the last place they're probably going to make any cuts is the revenue producers. So as a salesperson, if you can go out and continue to book new deals, it's going to be very, very difficult for them to, to make cuts there. Um, and in fact, in a lot of these situations, the cuts occur somewhere else in the organization um, if there's certain um, revenue goals, et cetera. But um, one of the other things that I pay close attention to is folks in the organization that I admired or looked up to or saw as maybe even indirect mentors and kind of followed their careers. I paid attention to to what roles they went into. And so one of the individuals who I really admired from HPE ended up getting a very, very senior role in the new company. So I felt very comfortable about that because um, I felt like the culture, climate, investment in what we had been doing was gonna remain somewhat constant or that we would have an advocate who would speak on our behalf. Um, and then the secondary aspect of it is I paid attention to how long those individuals stuck around. Um, and when I started to see a couple of them begin to leave, that's when I paid a bit closer attention about what the future direction of the organization looked like and then whether it made sense for me to stay put or seek other opportunities. Um, all the while, yes, I'm following you, all the while you are building a skill set. Uh, you're building a skill set in in business development, sales with the customer, you know, prospecting, growing the business, protecting existing business. So you're building that type of skill set, skill set, but you're also building a skill set in that that. And I didn't know this. I I saw this uh, when I looked at your LinkedIn, but that you also went to get your MBA. Am I first of all, am I reading that right? Were you getting your MBA during that time? Yes, I, I began it while I was at HP. Okay. And so talk, talk to me a little bit, let, let's talk, let's take a little bit of a side, you know, kind of a, a side conversation here about the MBA, you know, why'd you do it? what you learn? Why was it, why did you do it while working and not going straight to MBA, get your full-time MBA right after the military? Because I think that's mm -hmm. another conversation, JMOs and how that, what they're thinking about and what they're considering. So why did you ultimately do it that way? Yeah, so I, the reason I decided to get it is I knew there's a lot more business knowledge that I wanted to gather while I was working. Um, I knew that I didn't want to be a uh, just a frontline salesperson forever and wanted to move into management. Um, in order to do that, I need to understand uh, aspects of the organization, the business world much better. Um, as far as choosing full-time versus part-time, I wanted to be in a position where I was advancing my career while still getting that professional education simultaneously. Um, I'd say the benefit of going full-time MBA, whether someone's transitioning directly from the military or decides to leave the workforce for two years to go to school, really depends on what you're trying to accomplish. If you like the career path that you're on or you, you have attractive opportunities in front of you, and you view the MBA education as just a chance to accelerate your success, going through an executive program, I think, makes a tremendous amount of sense um, because you still maintain, um, for lack of a better word, that, that time and service in your profession and you're still accruing, um, you know, successes in your own organization, networking, et cetera. Um, if you were in one field and you wanted to make a drastic career pivot, that's when I think a full-time MBA is, is really a strong option. 
or if you were to say leave the military and you wanted to go into a field that recruits heavily from top tier MBAs like investment banking. Um, that would be the time to exit the workforce for two years, use this opportunity to completely change career directions. Um, I don't think most JMOs fall in that category unless they know specifically, like, I want to go into consulting, you know, with, you know, an MBB or I want to go into uh, investment banking. Then maybe a full-time MBA is worth it. But um, for me, it's, it, the right path was to continue building up corporate experience while simultaneously getting the education. It's really good to hear you say that, and it's exactly what we talk about around here, and it's been studied and it's well documented. You know, to your point, if you wanted to go to strategic consulting at a Bain or a Boston Consulting Group or a McKinsey, or certainly if you wanted to get on Wall Street or any street that does investment banking, you've got to get an MBA from a top-tier program. Nah, I shouldn't say you've got, but that is really yeah. the 90% solution to that path. But every other role that MBAs go into are accessible, at least to a large degree, to JMOs. Right? You got to mm -hmm. you got to have a network. You got to know people. You know, but getting into operational roles or business development roles or business analytical roles, those are not inaccessible. Those do not require the MBA. And so we we, we spend a lot of time talking about that. Not that the MBA is a good or bad decision full time, but just appreciate what you're trying. It's exactly what you said. Appreciate your goals. What are you trying to achieve? And what's the best way to get there from a from a, from a cost and a time perspective, and actually those are two connected things. So, um, mm -hmm. all right, let's keep rolling because really I want to I really want to talk about some of your career moves now. So now you've been at HP, it's been about two years, um, and you're off to a company called Shopper Track, moving into uh, the title director mid market sales back in Chicago. So, you know, give give us the rundown. How did that all play out for you? Yeah, well, funny enough, Pete, is I actually found out about the role from someone who went to HP with me from Cameron Brooks, and, and he called okay. me and said, uh, you need to have coffee with my boss. Um, and the role was located in Chicago, and at that point, I moved back to Chicago. Um, so huge aspect of it was, was networking, and, and I'll say I think is JMOs uh, were not used to the fact that you need to really build your network up, um, meet as many people as you can, find mentors, um, talk to people, accept those LinkedIn requests, et cetera. Um, even to a point where you've got to do a little bit of self-promotion is unnatural as that may be. Um, and sorry, I'm going a little off track here, but you, you did say one of the aspects of this is things that I learned I wish I had known. And, you know, in the military, you're so used to letting your OERs, your fit reps speak for themselves, but you, you need to do the networking side of things in the civilian world in order to, to be successful. So I, I got into Shopper Track or got the opportunity to Shopper Track because of that. Um, and the decision to join them um, was pretty easy for me. I knew I wanted to get into uh, sales leadership and management just to see that as opportunities to get higher up in an organization and more on the strategic side. And I, I had non-military um, professionals who were, were mentors of mine explain that 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 move into the management club, so to speak, is a really crucial point in your career because once you get in there, it's, it's kind of like having the you know, the membership card, you're, you're in there. And then from that point forward, whether it's recruiters, 
on LinkedIn or you know, people in your professional network talk to you, you're seen as a manager and a leader and you're now kind of in that club to be qualified for, you know, additional management leadership roles. So I knew that when that opportunity presented itself, I'd want to make that jump and capitalize on it. It's so good, especially, and, and I, I like you, there's actually a couple of things I want to, let, let me just kind of go back to a point you just made. And this, this is a resounding theme in this podcast, but I say it all the time. So I appreciate what you're saying. The, the way that you manage your career in corporate America is, one, you've got to be a performer. You've got to be known and seen as someone who delivers results for the organization, not unlike the fit reps and OERs you described in the military. You still have to be a performer in the military. But the difference is, and it's what you said, I just want to put an exclamation point on it, you've got to have a professional network. You've got to be known as someone who can perform for the organization and deliver results for the organization, and you've got to have people who support you, who know you, who trust you, who want to bring you along in the organization. It is absolutely crucial. And I love the way you said, you know, self-promotion is not a thing that JMOs are good at, that we like to do. And it's not like walking around in the Army, we used to call it a spotlight ranger, right? It's not like walking around saying, look how good I am. But it's, mm -hmm. as you said, it's having coffee with people that are 5, 10, 15 years ahead of you. And most development candidates, whether from the military or not, want to meet junior leaders in the organization and pull them along. It's not something that is like, oh, this guy's trying to, you know, you know, kiss my butt or whatever it might be. It's like, no, no, mm -hmm. I have a vested interest in bringing junior leaders in my organization along. And so it's just an important it's not a practice thing in the military, but it is such an important idea and concept that I just needed to go back and talk through that for a moment. I really appreciate you doing that. The other thing I, wanna, I wanted to tell, say is from the military, it's very hard. I agree with what you said, and, and it's so funny. I feel like a, a lot of your, your points are so much aligned with some of my own experience in my transition and in early years in corporate America in that. You know, I, I was a sales rep for about three and a half years, and then I went into management, and I, I like you, felt very similar. I wanted to get into the, the management realm of sales leadership, but the point I want to make here in, in terms of what you're saying is, like, from the military, it's very difficult, not impossible, but it's very difficult to get into sales management because mm – -hmm. Because you have to, at least in, in my vernacular, you have to carry the bag. You have to be in, you have yep. to know how to be in front of the customer. You have to be a sales rep in order to lead sales reps. Can you speak to mm -hmm. that? Because that's what happened. Like you sold for a couple of years. Now you had this skill set that you could sell to shopper track in this specific example in order to manage and continue to grow your career. So just speak to that for a moment, if you would, or, or maybe expand on that point. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you you need to build the credibility within that um, that profession of of sales. And by no means was I the world's greatest salesperson. I I actually think sales management is a perfect example of where you know the the greatest player doesn't always make the greatest coach. And some organizations incorrectly always promote their top producer, whereas instead they could have found someone who's you know good salesperson but's got the great leadership and management skills, but I built up that credibility on my resume, could speak the language, was nearly done with my MBA, so I also had increased business knowledge. Um, but that was the point where I felt like I really could reach back to my military experience and talk about what I've done from a, a leadership management organizational development standpoint. 
and hammer home those points in an interview to take that next step. Got it. We're we're a little short on time, and so I want to I want to jump forward a little bit because there's just one more point or one more idea I want to explore with you. And so okay. you you were at HP for about two years. You were then you moved to Shopper Track, and you were the director of mid market sales. So now you're in sales leadership. According to your LinkedIn profile, you did that for a little over two and a half years, and now you've been at Origami Risk for about a year. So Let's talk because I want the I want to you know at least a centralized theme of this podcast to be a little bit about career management something that again a point we talked about earlier that that people don't get to really necessarily um, do in the military and so why did you make the move from shopper track to the role that you're in now with the organization how you know, t- talk to us about how that played out mm-hmm. yeah I wasn't looking for a role. Um, I had a recruiter reach out to me on LinkedIn, and um, I had a while ago, a long time ago, I had a, um, a, a mentor say, you know, connect with recruiters. Even if you're not looking, listen to the first call, and then you can always say, hey, let's keep in touch in case I can recommend someone to you or you can recommend a role to me. And back to the point on networking, it's just one other small step. So um, I took the call, and um the opportunity sounded good and led to a couple of other calls. And then, you know, after a while, I realized it was going to be a step forward for me in my career. Um, in terms of my span of control, uh, the revenue responsibility, larger team, um, more strategic aspect within the organization as well, along with a, a better pathway for progression in terms of promotion, um, raises, et cetera, um, ability to take on a larger piece of the strategic planning aspect as well. Um, so I went through that process and like I said, was not looking, um, but thanks to networking and just staying in touch with folks, this uh, came across my plate and ended up being something that was too good to pass up. Um, and so I decided to make the decision to move. Um, and, and Pete, to your point, you know, one of the things that I had to get comfortable with very quickly, you know, when I went to Shopper Track and then again, moving to Origami is that idea that I can't wait for a monitor to tell me where to go, or I can't wait for a battalion commander to suggest, hey, you should go to this school or you should do this PME, and then I recommend you do this B billet before coming back to be an officer or whatever it might be. You are completely on your own, and you could end up spending 10 years with an organization or, you know, two years with an organization, but um, without risking jumping around jobs too much to look like someone who who can't stay somewhere for a while. You also need to be comfortable taking that risk and and saying there's a bit of an unknown here. There's an opportunity cost to leave. But as long as the new opportunity maybe covers any revenue or any income I might leave on the table, as well as puts me in a position to take the next step in my career, um, it's something that JMOs have to get comfortable with. Um, And upstream, it starts with the marketing and really taking ownership of understanding who you want to you know, attach yourself to what mentors you have. And then eventually downstream, it leads to just kind of having the, the guts to say, you know what, a little bit of unknown here, but I think this is the right career move. I'm going to take advantage of it. It's such a good point. It's one that is hard, hard. The way you said it makes tons of sense. It's so hard to explain that because I, I you know, there, there is, I like, there's risk in what you're doing. I like that you've addressed, okay, so been out in the military since 2016, 
two years at a company, two and a half years at a company, now at a year at a company, it can be viewed as, you know, I keep jumping around. Is this, is this guy really committed? And, and I think when some people get out of the military, they may be thinking, I'm going to work for the same company for 30 years. And you might. But, but recognize that you have control. I'm, I'm really kind of repeating what you just said. You have control over your career. There are trade-offs to be made in terms of should I or shouldn't I. Sometimes, you know, and for me, I, I spent eight and a half years at the same company before making, making a move. And we won't get into my story as much, but, but recognize that when you, not you, Jim, but those who are listening, when you, when you make the move, you, you've got to make it for the right reasons and you've just got to be careful. So as Jim said, you know, moving from shopper, tra- shopper, shopper track to origami got into more uh, higher level role, more access to strategic ma- decision making, a clearer path to higher level leaders in an organization. And as a, as a JMO, what do you leave on the table? Well, at ShopperTrack, you spent two, two and a half years building a, um, building a brand for yourself, professionally networking, you know, uh, growing within the organization. And now you have to go to a new organization and start over as an unknown, quant- uh, unknown entity. Nobody knows who you are. And, and so there's just trade-offs to making a decision like that. Um, and so it, it's important to see, because some people, and I don't view you in this, this light, you've done a good job sharing with us how you've done this, but some people hop. And, and as a former salesperson, you see sales reps do this all the time. They hop from one company to another to another, chasing the dollar or chasing the opportunity and really kind of never progressing in their career. You know what I mean? Yeah, 100%. And I think that one of the things that that I think is important is if you find one of those roles, sometimes they'll manifest themselves. Like someone will reach out to you that you worked with before. If you're networking, an old boss will say, come back and work for me again. I just moved to a new company. Um, Or you'll have a recruiter reach out to you. Um, So that's why it's so important for me. Again, I was not looking, I was very, very happy, but a great opportunity presented itself. But Pete, to your point, I mean, it was, it, it it was more lucrative to make this transition, but what really sealed the deal for me is I gained a bigger piece of the pie in terms of what I was allowed to do. I, I felt like I went from being, you know, a company commander who, you know, had my own territory again and I had my own reps that I managed and, and could make inputs and stuff to I, I was all of a sudden like a uh, an opso where who who still happened to have his own company where I was in a role where um, or now I'm in a role where I am making recommendations to the president of the division from a strategic standpoint that are going to impact the direction of the entire organization. Um, mm-hmm. And so to me, that was very, very exciting. And that was more important than um, compensation, um, any sort of bonus package was just the ability to be, um, you know, more strategic, to use my MBA, I had already finished it at this point, and I think that opened some doors as well. And to be able to put that into practice was really rewarding as well. So good. Jim, it has been great to catch up with you. I, I, your experience, is, I know, is going to be beneficial to those that listen to this podcast and try to kind of make decisions about not only getting out of the military, but what things, maybe not make decisions, but look and, and look to the future and what things could look like. So, um, I appreciate, I mean, I feel like there's 20 more topics I wanted to ask you, but in the interest of time, we're just going to leave it there for now. But hey, man, I really appreciate you taking a couple of minutes out of your busy day to spend time with us and, uh, and look forward to catching up with you down the road.
Yeah, absolutely. And Pete, um, if, if anyone listens to this or if anyone's like interested in sales or something like that, and you've got candidates um, who want to reach out, I'm more than happy to talk to anybody. Um, I was very, very blessed at multiple points to have people that I could reach out to. So I'm all about like continuing to pay that forward to the next group who's coming. Um, so please share my info with anybody. Would love to say, here's what I wish I knew and here's what I would have done differently um, to help That's anyone great. else out. Hey, everyone. Thanks for tuning in, listening to my conversation with Jim. Just want to uh, send in a plug for our next podcast in a couple of weeks. We'll release uh, the next episode of the podcast where my colleague Joel Junker interviews Kevin Byrne. Kevin is a West Point class of 93 who transitioned back in August of 2000 and had a successful career and is having a successful career. But in his career, he was diagnosed with MS and since then started a uh, started a great nonprofit. And anyway, the conversation is uh, is helpful. Uh, uh, Joel and Jim get in conversations about uh, overcoming adversity and certainly talk a little bit about uh, his nonprofit. So hope you'll stay tuned and stick around for that. Again, that, that episode will be coming out here in the next couple of weeks.